What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Junkyard Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Junkyard Jimmy, a.k.a. James Beatley. And before we get started going today, um, talking about the topic that I want to talk about in the wrestling world, I want to just give a shout out to the Junkyard Media Group and our first episode that we released of the Colin Audible Show. You can see it now on the Junkyard Media Group's YouTube page as well as Spotify and Amazon and Apple Podcasts. Um, go ahead and check it out. Let us know what you think about our intro episode. We we're going to do this every Thursday, 9 p.m., live, every week. Um, and then another announcement that will be made at the end of the show, kind of on the, the future plans of this podcast. I wanted to try to get that out before the end of the week, but it was quite difficult to do that with timing and everything. And so, here we are recording this, I'm, I'm recording this in my car, driving on a Sunday, a beautiful Sunday morning here in North Carolina where I'm at, or, or let me re, let me redo that the way that uh, Justin Roberts would do it, it's a beautiful Sunday morning here in North Carolina, <laughs> anyway, let's get going, well, yesterday, um, the, the 18th of February, live in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, was the Elimination Chamber. And if I'm, if I'm totally honest, the only match I was interested in coming into this show was Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn. Not because of Roman Reigns. I, I, I think you guys know that I hate Roman Reigns. Um, I, I don't think he's that big of a star in the long run. I really don't. I think WWE is trying to fabricate him as some sort of top guy, but I think I think there are tens of other people in that locker room that are more top guy worthy than Roman Reigns. I'm sorry, I'm just going to to have that opinion, and there's nothing you can do to change my change my mind on that. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch the chamber. And see, see what I think about all of it. Um, and I'm gonna write down. This was this was my thought process coming into it. I'm gonna write down some notes about thing things I like, dislike, whatever random thoughts that I had about the Elimination Chamber pay per view premium live event, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And and so here I wrote down twelve bullet points, um, well, not really wrote, but typed into my, the notes app on my phone, 12 bullet points that I'm going to go through with you today, <clears throat> starting with number one, Liv Morgan, and this is, a, this is literally what I wrote, Liv Morgan is so mistreated, she should have her WrestleMania moment. So they start the show off with the women's chamber match. And Liv and Natalia started, and then 
you know, the other four come in, Carmella and Raquel and Nikki Cross and Asuka. And I love Liv Morgan. I, I don't, I, I understand people were highly disappointed in her title title reign that she had at the back end of last year or the middle of last year. And, and I totally understand the disappointment. But part of that feels like they didn't book her as well as they booked her leading up to her title reign. You know? It, it kind of felt like WWE gave Liv Morgan the money in the bank so that she could cash in so that they could just kind of quiet the fans and their churning to get Liv Morgan as a champion. But they really didn't see her as championship material. I think Liv Morgan, if they can present her in a way that she's comfortable in and she can kind of play in a good dynamic. I, I like this gimmick that she kind of has now um, where she's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of mysterious and, and semi-dark. Um, but I think she has all the features that you need to, in a female superstar and professional wrestling. And it's not necessarily sex appeal. Because Liv Morgan is is gorgeous. She is a gorgeous woman. I will go ahead and say that. But outside of her looks, like this isn't the 2000s women's division anymore. Like I think she's pretty fucking good in, in the ring. I think she's pretty clean. I don't. There, there hasn't been an instance where I, I heard people complaining about Liv Morgan being unsafe in the ring. And I think that's, that's important. She's really good with these like cryptic kind of um, promo shoots, promo spots, and I, I love them. I, I like Liv Morgan. I think you can play into that darker side of her character. You know she's an avid like horror film you know, fan. So let's, let's let her play into that realm, and I think she would be really, really well put. Instead, they try to put her in, in the stereotypical like pretty girl pretty blonde girl role, and I don't think Liv is comfortable playing that role. Like, that's a role for Mandy Rose, and that's a role for, you know, like, Tori Wilson and Trish Stratus of, of, of old, but, like, Nick, uh, Liv, I, I feel like if you put her in this kind of, like, dark, cryptic horror film vibe, I think she would do really, really well. Um, kind of like, like, the Harlequin of, of, of WWE just kind of put her in that aspect and, and she would be absolutely fantastic. She needs a WrestleMania moment. Liv deserves a WrestleMania moment. She's been putting in work for several years now. I know she had that one title reign, but I don't know. It just made sense to me. Like You think like Rhea and Liv, if you go back to Royal Rumble, they both basically lasted the entirety of the match and they 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 could have ran the storyline of of she had to start the rumble at number two and then she came out number two at elimination chamber which was technically true because natalia came out first and Rhea came out and survived Liv came out and survived and then that's why they're guaranteed you know and i think Liv morgan versus bianca belair it's going to be a good match. Now, don't get me wrong. Oscar's a pretty good wrestler. And this kind of leads into number my, my second bullet point, which says why Oscar 
what is the appeal? I get that everybody loves Asuka. I get the fans are behind her. I, I think WWE wants to have this, like, what they believe a dream match. Maybe this is kind of the end of Asuka's run, and they're just trying to give her, like, one big moment before uh, she exits out of of um, maybe wrestling, maybe the WWE, or, or what it may be. She's up, up, you know, she's in her late 30s, early 40s, I believe. Um, and so the back end of her career is upon her. And she's, she's okay, but I don't get the appeal. I really don't. And, and maybe you can, I'll get crucified for this opinion. I just, I never really got the appeal with Asuka. Even from NXT, I understand she was like this big star in Japan and, the, and her coming over to the America is really big, but I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I think Kyrie Sane was, is a better wrestler than Asuka. Um, I think, there's a lot of other Japanese women that I would put over Asuka. Um, and I know, like, there's a history and this this whole, like... And maybe I, because I don't understand Asuka's career journey, or may, maybe that's why I don't get the appeal. But I just don't understand the appeal behind Asuka. This, this whole... She looks like an ICP clown. Like, that's what, when I, every time she comes out in her new face paint, that's the only thing I can think of, is that she's part of the insane clown posse. Like, I don't, I don't understand it, I don't get the, I don't get the backstory behind it, I'm not a, I don't, I don't, I'm not big with the appeal, I, I don't have a lot of sentimental value with Asuka, I really don't. Um, and, again, I might get crucified for that, but, like, I don't really understand the appeal. So anyway, that kind of was, those were my big two thoughts for, for the women's match because Liv got eliminated early and I was really shocked and I kind of came in there thinking Liv had a really good shot because of her performance at the, the Royal Rumble and then I kind of felt like maybe Carmella had a shot because she's coming back and this is her, this is her time and it almost ended up being Carmella, she was the last one eliminated. Um, the second, the last person, you know, to complete the match. And so, uh, good for Carmella to come back. But here's the issue. And, and I've said this about AEW's women's division. And I'll say it about WWE's women division, women's division right here. So, like, I'm, I'm, as a preface, preface, everybody knows me as, like, the, an AEW mark. Like, I am AEW everything I'm... Um, that's, that's my favorite wrestling company. New Japan's probably kind of like, maybe like 2A behind, um, yeah, basically, it's basically 1B or 2, um, and WWW, excuse me, let me stop stuttering here. So like AEW's 1, and then WWE and New Japan are kind of like 1A and 1B, because, I don't, they're kind of tied because I, I only am casual watching both of them, uh, but I'm diehard watching AEW, and I guess you could count ROH in there as well, though I haven't watched, you know, they haven't had any live TV in quite a while, so I don't want to include them yet, um, or tape TV or any of that, but, but yeah, long story short, the problem I have here is every year at WrestleMania, we get Charlotte and 
Bianca and Becky and Bailey, and they always have the spotlight of the women's division. But we have these women that deserve their WrestleMania moments, like Liv, um, and even Asuka. Asuka has, Asuka has had three or four top, big WrestleMania moments already in her career. Um, remember, she came in undefeated and lost to Charlotte, I think, at WrestleMania. Um, but we have people like um, Liv and... Uh, like I'd even go as far as like EO Sky... Dakota Kai, they're probably going to what have a women's tag team match. I think they're still the tag team champions. I don't know. They'll probably maybe have their moment this year. Um, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, like get her out of that fucking dumbass, somewhat Bray Wyatt gimmick. Like I, I fucking hate it. Demon possessed woman. Like I don't love that gimmick. Um, I, I, I'm cool with her being a heel. But I don't like the gimmick she's in. But, like, Alexa can use another WrestleMania moment. I don't even know if she's had one. Maybe she has. I don't know. But there's just a lot of other women that, outside of Bailey and Asuka and Bianca and Becky, that des- deserve to have the spotlight every once in a while. But it seems like once we get towards WrestleMania season, every year Bianca Belair... And Charlotte Flair have a title match, or, and then they have, like, Ronda Rousey thrown in there. And I like Ronda. I, lo- I love Ronda. She's still kind of green because she doesn't wrestle all that much, I don't think. Um, she's not, and she's not good on the mic, but I like Ronda as a, as a character. Um, but there's other women that deserve their WrestleMania moments. And, and coming out of Elimination Chamber, where WrestleMania is about two months away... Unless they build a story at another pay-per-view, like, who's going to get that WrestleMania moment? Like, this year it's Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, which is okay, and Asuka and Bianca, which again is okay. But we know coming out of there, like, what, Rhea Ripley's going to win? Well, if Rhea Ripley if Rhea Ripley wins, there's no way they're going to have both women's titles swap, you know, uh, swap hands at WrestleMania. That's very improbable. So I don't, I don't get the women's division overall. We go into our second segment, our second match. Uh, this, this pay-per-view was highlighted by the two chamber matches and then Roman and Sammy. The other two matches were kind of, dare I say, filler matches. They were, they were really boring. Brock versus Bobby Lashley was like a four-minute just time waster. Brock gets... Um, Brock gets disqualified by a low blow that was so totally not a kick to the nuts that, like, they I don't get it. And then I think they're just trying to run this angle because Brock went off script and uh, at the Royal Rumble and uh, put his hands on the, the official. Now they're going to have Brock just beat the shit out of all these officials. And so Brock got DQ'd and then threw the official and... All of that mess, whatever. Put Bobby through the announce table, and all of that, whatever. It was so boring. And and the, the actually the, the statement that I put on here is Brock and Bobby c- can be told so much better. This story of Brock versus Bobby has so much potential that is not being used. It's almost ridiculously stupid how 
they're fucking up this this story. Like I put this shit is stupid. It's it's almost the comedy segment. It's almost the comedy segment at this point. It's like Brock versus Bobby could main event any show that it's on. And they're putting it in the five minute filler section. It's like this is how much they don't care about this. But they want to give the fans what they want. Or, you know, they're going to use that to claim that they're giving the fans what they want. But they're not giving us what we want. We want Brock versus Bobby. Like, honestly, they could put Brock versus Bobby in a 60-minute Ironman match like they're doing with MJF and Daniel uh, Brian Danielson at Revolution. They could do an Ironman or a two out of three falls or, or something and just tell the story by letting these two massive men beat the ever-living shit out of each other, no DQs, and the last man stand. Let them, put them, put them in a last man standing match. Let them beat the shit out of each other, and the last man standing wins. But instead, we get this, and I get they're maybe building it so that um, they have a, a WrestleMania match, maybe, or maybe Brock and Bray. I, I don't know, because, see, that Bray Wyatt... Um, promo on SmackDown on Friday makes no sense because now there's there's technically like are they still keeping Bobby and Bray a feud or is Bobby and Brock where does Bray fit in with like it's it's so dumb so dumb that's all I'm gonna say on that 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 match was like a four minute filler match that was so stupid and could have been told so much better then the next match they put back to back filler matches. Which I thought was absolutely asinine. Like, you would have thought they would have done chamber, filler match, chamber, filler match to let the crowd recoup their energy and then put on Sammy and Roman. But they went, they went, um, they went women's chamber, filler match, filler match, men's chamber, Roman. And it felt like for the, that 10 minutes or whatever that the judgment day and edge and, and Beth Phoenix were fighting. It felt so boring, dude. I just re- remember writing, Judgment Day is boring. Edge and Beth are boring. This match is boring. This is, that's what I wrote down in that bullet point. It was all boring. It's a year-long story that hasn't... that should have reached its climax when Edge and Beth Phoenix fucking lost at Extreme Rules. Like It should have ended there. But no... They have to WWE has the opposite issue of AEW in terms of WWE needs to keep stories going for fucking ever because they have to have four different fucking matches and each match has to take place at a big pay-per-view and AEW likes to run through uh, run through a story in two weeks. They, they WWE will take two years to tell a story. And AEW will take two weeks to tell a story. And both are in the wrong sometimes. I I hate it. I can't fucking stand this Judgment Day Edge thing. Like, just get over with it. Um, Hopefully it ended there. I I cannot fathom another Judgment Day versus Edge feud match. Same thing with the whole Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio thing. That needs to end. Like, Rey needs to either retire... Which it seems like Ray's like passing the torch or passing the mask to Santos Escobar. Maybe setting up Santos Escobar and Dominic for a feud sometime down the line. Maybe. I don't know. But like, 
this whole Judgment Day and Edge thing needs to end. The whole Judgment Day and, and, and honestly needs to end. And then I'll get there in a minute. Because um, um, we get to the men's chamber match. And the first the first point I put on that was Seth Rollins is the man. And that was, I think I wrote that there. And that's kind of a, a pun on words because he's married to Becky Lynch, who is nicknamed the man. But... But Seth Rollins literally is the man. Like he should be the face. He should be what Roman Reigns is, the top dot, the top guy in the company. And like I said earlier, there's so many other people that Roman or that should be on top of Roman Reigns. Like Roman Reigns, in my opinion, is like a mid carter or some dude that like maybe has the the tag team titles, but is second or third on the end of the staple. Like to me, he's the Xavier Woods of the Shield. Like Seth and Dean were so good. They were the Biggie and Kofi. And then there's Xavier Woods, who's good, but he's not great. He's a kind of, kind of overshadowed sometimes. And now, I mean, he's being presented more because Biggie's hurt. But, like, Xavier Woods kind of was the comedy gimmick. And to me, that's what Roman was. But he was so fucking piss poor at it. They had to pull, like, he couldn't, he can't tell a fucking promo, you know? But anyway... I'm not, uh, Seth Rollins is the man. He's been the man for me, um, and at least in the WWE for quite some time. He he seriously needs to have a moment uh, um, here where he he gets a fucking win at a big pay per view. The next point I put on that match, I think I put several points. This is probably the best match of the night. The men's chamber match was probably the best overall match of the night. Um, I put Damian Priest should be on his own. He shouldn't be in a stable. He should be a singles competitor by himself. He has the promo ability. He has the in-ring work ability. Uh, maybe I would like him more if he was out of the Judgment Day. You know, because I think like I used to like Rhea Ripley, and she turned all gothic. And, like she was a pretty girl, and then like I think she's absolutely horrifically ugly now because she has them gauges in her ears and all them tattoos. Like, I don't know if they're painted on tattoos or what, but, like, you can't fake gauges. Um, and I just, I hate it. I can't stand it. She was so attractive back when she was, like, entering the blonde hair with the red um, wrestling fit. But, like, now it's just, I just, I can't stand it. There's, like, that's just my personal opinion. And so I'm not going to hate you for having your own opinion on that, but I just can't stand it. She was so much better. I think could have had so much more potential, but she's a pretty decent heel, but I don't think she had to turn goth to realize that. Um, maybe the whole judgment day should just disappear at this point. Finn Balor can go back to being a singles wrestler and using his demon persona because being in the judgment day, it limits that he, when he can use it. Like, he already limited to, like, really important pay-per-views. And now it's limited even more because he's in the Judgment Day and you can't just have the demon show up. You know, that, that would make it kind of awkward. Next, next point I made about that match was the Montez spot was absolutely fucking awesome. Um, Montez Ford is a star. And it kind of sucks because... The Street Profits are so good as a, t a tag team. But at the same time, 
Montez Ford is so much, so good as a singles wrestler. Whereas Angelo, I kind of feel needs a tag team partner to kind of present himself in a better, a better light. Um, not to say that Dawkins can't perform as a singles wrestler. I think he has pretty good potential. Um, but he's just so good as a tag team guy, whereas Montez can do both. And I feel like Tez is about to get his singles push, which is going to kind of denigrate the, I guess, need for uh, Angelo Dawkins, right? And so my hope is he doesn't get shoved into, like, the back end of a stable just to, just to keep him kind of on TV. But, like, I, I like Angelo Dawkins. He, he's honestly a really good wrestler. I just feel like he's better as a tag team guy than a singles competitor but Montez that spot was wicked the one where he climbed up to the top of like the cage and like monkey flipped down onto everyone that was great it got the crowd really popping that's the thing about wrestling is that that stuff can be entertaining and WWE doesn't do it all the time Um, and AEW gets a lot of shit for doing that but it's entertaining it gets the crowd popping, and, and they did it exactly how they had to do it. And then the next point was this Montreal crowd was popping for this match. Let me tell you, the women's chamber match, they were kind of okay. They weren't really popping. There wasn't many big spots. There was that one big spot where uh, Raquel uh, ran. Uh, I can't remember who she ran. Um, was it maybe uh, Nikki Cross? I think it was Nikki Cross, yeah, because Nikki Cross was chasing after Carmella, and Carmella was running from pod to pod, and then Raquel, I think, crushed Nikki Cross um, through the 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 pod, which is an a always happening elimination chamber spot. Um, there should be a contest on who is the one that does it, and which. A chamber match it occurs in because it always happens in at least one elimination chamber match every year. Um, my, I, in my opinion, they did it wrong. They should have had Jonah do it, or I'm sorry, Bronson Reed. I'm, so, I'm, I'm so used to him being called Jonah in New Japan, but having Bronson Reed um, do it and not Raquel, though I get why they had Raquel do it. Um, and it was a pretty good spot. The crowd kind of popped to that. Um, but overall, overall, the um, this meant this crowd was just kind of dead for the two filler matches. But they were on fire during this men's chamber match, and it carried all the way into the end of the show. The next, that Johnny and Seth spot, where uh, Seth like <laughs> could have really injured himself and Johnny. It was that was a wicked spot too. Um, and then, then the inevitable happens. A couple of eliminations came, come away and it's Seth Rollins versus, uh, Austin Theory at the end. And we see Tez take a curb stomp onto the barricade. And I, I knew immediately when they were calling for officials to help carry Tez out of the chamber that there was going to be an interference I just think I couldn't figure out who it would have been. My thought was who is Theory? 
who is theory who has theory pissed off? Honestly. Like I thought maybe this is where Seth gets the win and theory, you know, and maybe you know, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, somebody like that who who has had beef with theory in the past. Um but it was Logan Paul helping Theory and hurting Seth Rollins. And I guess that means we're going to get Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Setting up what I think will be Austin Theory versus John Cena at WrestleMania. And the original thought that I had was that John Cena was going to fight Logan Paul. It was Go Hollywood. Those are two of Hollywood's biggest guys right now. But it seems like maybe um, Logan Paul is going to get Seth Rollins at Mania, which I think is going to be a good match. Let's talk about Logan Paul here for a minute. I think he's highly underrated in ring. Like, if Logan Paul wanted to stop all of what else he's doing and work at this full-time and be a full-time wrestler and show up every Monday, show up every Friday, I think he could do it. I really think he can. But he has impulsive, he has prime, he has all of these other things. I think wrestling's just kind of a, a side job for him, but he's really fucking good at it. That buckshot lariat he did last night was phenomenal. Was fucking phenomenal. Um, and listen guys, he has he has a pretty good future. If he really wants to consider like doing this more than on a part time basis, I think he really could really stand a chance. To be a, a really good wrestler. He's had really good matches. Let me tell you something. You don't just walk your way into a Seth Rollins match. Especially at Ro uh, WrestleMania. Especially at WrestleMania. Like, to follow Seth, Seth Rollins' last WrestleMania match was Cody Rhodes. And then he gets Logan Paul, it looks like. You have to be trusted by the company to get Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a really, like, I, he's kind of a gatekeeper, it feels like now. He always loses, and I feel like he will lose to Logan Paul at WrestleMania. But, like, I can't remember the last time Seth Rollins has won a really big pay-per-view. But he gets these big matches. He put Cody over, which was expected. He, he put Cody over several times, which I didn't expect, but kind of seemed expected. At least at WrestleMania. I just... Seth Rollins is a guy that you just don't, like, walk your way into day one and get to have Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. So they put they have a lot of faith that Logan Paul can do well. And he did good against Roman in Saudi Arabia. He's done good. He did good in that match with The Miz um, where, he, where The Miz turned on him. Uh, I think that was WrestleMania last year. So Logan Paul seems like he's going to be at WrestleMania in Hollywood against Seth Rollins. That'll be a fun match to belong to. And then we get to the last two points. And this is the main event. Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. And I put bullet point number 11. Sami Zayn is the most over man in the WWE. And I want to make this point very clear. I mean this. Sami Zayn is the most over man in the WWE. There's nobody else 
that, and I know he was in Montreal, but I think he would have gotten that pop just about anywhere. Just about anywhere. It may have been a little bit more extreme because of the connections, the Montreal connections. But he would have gotten that kind of pop just about anywhere. And the reason for that is he is over. He is the most over man. And this is something that WWE, I think, hates. Because they want to manufacture who is over and who is not. They don't like when wrestlers get themselves over. They don't like that because... I don't, let me, when Sami Zayn... So let's... Let's look at when Sami Zayn joined the Bloodline and, and what's happened since then. Sami Zayn joined the Bloodline right after WrestleMania, I think, last year. He had just lost to uh, the cast of Jackass. And, and this is actually bullet point number 12, the, the, the transformation from Sami Zayn. Um, he was at WrestleMania just getting his ass whipped by the, ca- the cast of Jackass. He joins the Bloodline. I think that was supposed to be temporary. I really do. Everyone seems to think like, oh, Vince McMahon's so smart. He, knew. I think they just kind of put Sammy in there for comedic effect, and it worked. And so they kept him there. Um, and so we have this match with, uh, or we're having this match here a year later, and he's main eventing uh, Elimination Chamber, a, le- a year-long process. He belongs to the company. He belongs in the in the running for main event contender. You know, he's a main eventer. Um, and I just a year ago at this time, I thought seriously that Sami Zayn was on his way out of WWE, and he was going to go to AEW. But I think he's more over than ever with the WWE fans. He would be so dumb right now to leave the company. Yeah, he lost, but he was over. He got the final laugh. I think we're setting up a uh, Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos title match at Mania. But the way that it ended, it actually kind of leaves a little bit of doubt to that in my mind. And adds to maybe we'll see Sami Zayn basically say he he was screwed out of this title shot. And maybe, I think this could be the way that they break up the belts and they break up the bloodline. You have, you have at WrestleMania, a way where they say, it's not going to be a triple threat, but Roman defends one, they're going to break the belts up, they're going to ununify them. Roman fights Cody Rhodes for one of the belts on night one or night two, and then on the other night he, he fights Sami Zayn. And he loses both matches. And now we have two different champions. Both people get over that need to get over at this point. Because WWE is in a dilemma. Because Sami Zayn is the most over with the fans. He needs to get over in the company. He needs to get the title. But so does Cody Rhodes. You can't bury Cody Rhodes. You know, Cody has to be the guy. And that's why I think Cody needs to be night one. Right? So Cody gets the pop of beating Roman night one. Roman has to come down losing already losing one of his belts and fight Sammy Knight 2 for the other belt and loses. You get Sammy his moment at WrestleMania. I think that's the best way for it to work. 
But overall, I, I wonder that Sami Zayn belongs because for a long time he kind of just felt like an outcast and uh, just a another mid Carter that wasn't going to really you know a B plus player and and that's all he was. But he belongs in the main event picture. He belongs in the WWE. I think he he showed last night that he was really he's just a really good performer and put on he puts on a good show. Um, but we'll see where it goes. What do you guys think about Elimination Chamber? Did you enjoy the pay-per-view? Did you think it was ass? I think for the most part, up until the last two matches, it was an ass pay-per-view. The Women's Chamber match was okay. wasn't anything spectacular. The two filler matches were straight boring and ass. The Men's Chamber match really was the best match of the night. And then Sammy and Roman. It was more about the story than the match. Um, and so it really told a decent story. And... I really don't know where it's going to go afterwards. Because, you see, because Kevin didn't say anything to Sammy. Kevin just came out of there. And I think I think that the motive for that is Kevin's coming out because he was pissed off at Roman. Not, at, you know, it didn't really seem like he was there to help Sammy. He was just kind of there to get revenge for Roman. And he didn't say anything to Sammy Zayn as, as Sammy's music was playing as they were going off the air. So it doesn't get me, give me the feeling that they're going to become a tag team. It gives me the feeling that maybe Sammy is going to try and get another opportunity at the title. And we'll see. What do you guys think? We're moving really quick to WrestleMania. To be honest, I don't even know if there's another pay-per-view in between Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania. Um, WrestleMania is in April. So we have all of March. I would assume there's another pay-per-view. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Um, but anyway, real quick to end this show, I want to talk about the future of this podcast. So we're going to have these recaps, I think, of all the WWE and AEW, my just reactions to them. And that's going to come, you know, hopefully, like, the day after, unless it's like a Sunday. And it might come, like, a week, a couple days after. But typically my days off are Thursday and... Sunday, so I'll either record on a Thursday and I'll do Dynamite, um, Dynamite recaps, my thoughts on Dynamite, kind of doing what I'm doing here with this, at this show, just giving my thoughts on each segment, um, and then, um, those will go, those will be recorded on Thursday, except on weeks where I have to work on Thursday, because sometimes I do have to work on Thursday, and I'm off on another day of that week, um, if, if I'm ever off on a Thursday or not off on a Thursday, they'll probably be recorded on Sunday and released on that Sunday. So, you know, Thursday or Sunday, depending on the week. Um, and, I'll, and I'll let you know. I'll, I usually have my schedule far enough in advance. I can let you know when it's going to happen, if it happens. But just ex if, if nothing comes out Thursday um, and, you're, and you're paying attention to it, just wait for Sunday and it'll, it should be out on Sunday. And if it's not out on Wednesday or on Thursday and it's not out on that Sunday, maybe contact me and see if everything's okay. But I'm hoping to be able to perform that that way for you. But anyway, this has been an episode of the Wrestle of the Junkyard Wrestling Podcast. I'm James Beatley, aka Junkyard Jimmy, aka whatever the hell you want to call me, boys. Uh, this has been another episode. And I, until then, until next time, I'll see you. I'll see you later. Thank you.